I just drew a blank on how in the world I start this podcast. What up, pal? How's your Thanksgiving? <laughs> Wait, no, I go. I no, go. No, no. Hi, everyone. Now you have to answer my question. I have now started the episode. How was your Thanksgiving? <laughs> it was delightful. I stayed in the house for almost four days straight, and I only ran an errand when we ran out of dog food. That's that sounds like the exact way you spend a Thanksgiving break. Oh, it was so good. Like when I tell you, I am completely satisfied with what I did for my Thanksgiving. That being nothing, I. I'm very satisfied. I have no you. regrets about that. Happy for you. How was yours? Um, it was good until I was sick. Oh yeah. And then I got better. I wasn't. I swear, like I, I don't stay sick very long anymore. So I wasn't. I was only miserable for like twenty four hours, and then I started to feel fine. But it was good. That's Spent good. time with my parents and my brother, and um, gorged myself. Did on your mom make food. chess pie? Heck yeah, she did. <laughs> I, Audrey, I kid you not, I walked into my mom's door and I was like, I'm hungry. Are the pies done? <laughs> I ate my meal out of order. I ate a slice of pie first and then I ate. No, a- excuse you. That is not out of order. That is the correct order because we're Americans. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I ate a slice <laughs> of pie first. And what's cute is when I got the whipped cream out, like in the can, Buddy knows what that sound is. So he immediately ran over oh. to me and just sat there and he was like, my turn. <laughs> With his little tail wagging. Oh my gosh, that's um, so cute. So yeah, it was a good Thanksgiving. And then I went to work. <laughs> and then I went to work. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was fine. It was a good um, week. We did put up our tree. We put awesome. up our tree, I think, on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and watched. Wait, wait, wait. Watched. You didn't send me a picture? <gasps> I didn't send you a picture. I, thought we I were sent friends. one to my mom. Wow. I'm sorry. Wow. I'm a terrible person. I'm I really agree. am. <laughs> uh, hold on. I'm gonna send you a picture right now. Can one you moment, believe please. this guy? I have, I have a couple of Can really you believe cute this ones. Woman forgot too. she sent me a picture of her Thanksgiving spread, but not her Christmas tree. We're not friends. Okay, well, the the Thanksgiving spread happened first, in my defense. This one was days later, and I was very tired. How could you forget me like that? turkey coma How could you forget me like that? I'm sorry. I'm I love cry. you. I snapped you, though. I didn't forget you completely. Our snap streak is still strong. What are it we at? So like, 203 strong. days now? Something crazy like that, yes. 203. I just checked. My longest, hold on, is the thousands. Goal. It's holy uh, cow with stuff. Is it with stuff? No, it's with Maria. Oh wow, that's impressive. Go Maria. We have a snap streak of where is it? One thousand four hundred seventy-three days. Oh my gosh. Steph isn't even my second. She's my third. Holy cow! Go Maria. Shout out to Maria. <laughs> this Being was... a consistent friend, my guy. She is consistent. Holy cow. I'm I'm flabbergasted. And that's one of my favorite words to use. It's a great word. Thank you. Are you going to look at the pictures of my dang Christmas tree? I look, where did you send them? I, I texted them to you. Oh, Is your do oh. not disturb on? Yeah, because it turned on automatically. That's gorgeous. <laughs> oh, look at her. Look Isn't at Wes. So that's cute. so cute. Y'all, 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 oh I'll, my gosh. You guys I'll post a picture of this on the podcast page for you guys. Um, but I got a great picture of my new puppy, Narcissa, just smiling away in front of our newly lit Christmas tree. I love the gold. I love the snitch. Thank you. Did you zoom in on my little ornaments? Mm-hmm. I have a snitch ornament. There's also a sorting hat hiding in there somewhere. I don't know where Wes hid him. 
but there is a sorting hat. Man, I just gotta say, my iPhone 14 Pro Max takes excellent pictures. Oh, there he is! I found the snitch, or not the snitch, I found the um, sorting hat. He is in the upper, he's in the top third in the lower left-hand quadrant. Top the third? the middle of the basket on my wall. <laughs> lower, oh, okay, I see. You can only see the top of his little pointy mm-hmm. flipped over, like flopped over head. Tree's cute, I love it. Thank you. I got it um, for 50% off. It is a seven and a half foot Alberta spruce, and I'm very pleased with it. I'm actually very happy with that tree. I cannot wait to edit out all the sounds nobody heard but myself well and you. Worth the money. <laughs> that last one was like a tiny elephant. <laughs> that was me blowing my nose. <laughs> uh, and now I have a cough drop in my mouth to uh, d- deter any more of that. To, to what? Deter? Deter. Listen, tomato, tomato. <laughs> I've, I've, here's the thing. You can't be mad. Like, I've never corrected you before, but that one got me. Like, Derek Jeter. <laughs> and I will deter you from doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> I know, as a writer, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I plagued you with that. It's okay. No, like, it's got to be one of those words that, like, you usually only see in print and never heard, never heard people, like, say out loud. I know, So I'll let it slide. Thank you. Appreciate you. (laughs) I usually don't do that, but that one was too funny not to correct. (laughs) I promise, for as much as my major was English education, I try not to be too much of a grammar. You know what we haven't done? What? Sync. Anyway, this, whole thing this was unsunk. just a precursor to our actual thing getting started. Anyway, so ready? Ready. Three, two, one. for coming back uh today's episode is on bbc's sherlock's christmas special the abominable bride so um as always you don't have to watch the movie in order to listen to the episode but we always recommend it as we will never stray away from spoilers um so let's just get rolling i'm your host audrey and i'm your co-host sheree so sit back relax and please don't silence your phone while we check your cinematic pulse so for those of you who don't know um on january 1st 2016 as a holiday special um though not necessarily taking place at christmas in it uh bbc aired the special episode of sherlock um with benedict cumberbatch and martin freeman um, it was especially awesome because it took place after two years of radio silence on Sherlock where we weren't sure if we were going to get any more content. Um, so, and then they released a holiday special. Um, so that's what we were talking about for this because it aired on January 1st. Um, quick summary of the, I mean, we can call it a movie cause it's like over an hour and a half long. That's actually what I was going to say at the beginning when you said, um, you don't necessarily have to have watched the movie and I was like. But technically, all the episodes are 90 minutes. That is that is a That's movie it. running time. 
That's something with a lot of British content is a lot of their shows are 90 minutes long. They're 90 minutes long and the seasons are very short. Yes. Yeah. They are very much, it is a whole content form for sure over there. Um, So to sum up what happens in the quote unquote episode, um, we'll call it an episode or movie interchangeably. Um, After the finale of season three, with Moriarty seemingly being alive, most of the Sherlock Christmas special takes place in the interim minutes between when Sherlock gets the call to come back from exile and when he touches down. Um, In trying to solve the 120-year-old mystery very similar to the death and reappearance of James Moriarty in modern day, Sherlock imagines himself and Watson in London in the 1890s, allowing us an hour and a half of Victorian fun with the actors we know and love in a classic Sherlock setting. Great summary. Thank you. I have Thank a question to ask you before we get okay. into the thick of this. So, okay, I ask: Do you think listeners who haven't watched Sherlock can enjoy this special episode of Sherlock? As as you Absolutely. said, I it does play you know a bit as a standalone episode, but there are Easter eggs from other episodes that only viewers of the whole mm-hmm. series up to the airing of Abominable Bride would understand, like the woman. Yes. Yeah. So, um. I I 100% think that people who haven't seen the rest of the series can just jump in and watch this. That's a great question. Um, Because the majority of it does take place in a completely different setting, Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to already understand the world that they're in. it's, It's Sherlock, which I feel like we've all had some exposure to classic Sherlock at some point in our lives. Like, I know I had to read Sherlock for Fun school. Fun fact, um, Sherlock Holmes is the most played fictional character of all time. No way. Mm-hmm. The most played the fictional most... character. Can you explain what that means? So that means of all iterations of a fictional character that have ever been written about, Sherlock Holmes has been played by more actors on screen than anyone else any any other That's fictional character awesome. but you also gotta think sherlock holmes is one of the og fictional characters that people read about because mm-hmm. i mean it's already you see when this episode starts the strand magazine for people who don't know when these stories came out in the 1800s by sir arthur conan doyle they were published in the strand in the united kingdom for people to read so he yeah. he is one of the if you want to if you want to talk about the modern you know modern writing and storytelling it's early entertainment yeah, is it's what this is it's early short form entertainment mm-hmm. it, it, it'd be like the version of watching a tv show for the everyday people of victorian london right yeah so he was mass entertainment media for people um, and easy to read and we all actually read stuff he was the wattpad <laughs> he was the wattpad oh my god <laughs> But, you know, he had an editor. (laughs) He had an editor. A good one. Um, So, let's talk about first impressions. Um, Tell me your first impression of this. Um, When it initially aired, however many years ago that was, seven. What did you say, 2016? 2016. Yikes, Mm -hmm. dude. I was so excited because I was introduced to Sherlock my freshman or sophomore year of college. So that would have been mm-hmm. at the tail end of season one or season two, but not season three mm-hmm. definitely had not come out yet. So I was very, very excited to finally watch this newest episode of Sherlock. And because everyone was waiting for season four, it's like you said, we were all on, you know, Tinder hooks waiting for this to see if there's going to be more. 
and then the special mm-hmm. came out. Oh, I, I loved it. And honestly, I have not watched that probably probably since. I, I think I might, may have watched it one time since it originally aired when I do my, you know, run-throughs and re-watches of Sherlock. Because co- Sherlock's my comfort show. I know you know this, but I don't know if a lot of other people know. It's my background show when I'm doing laundry cleaning whatever Mm -hmm. it's on in the background i love it i know what's going to happen i enjoy the characters i enjoy the storytelling and the writing and all i love the show it is top to bottom perfect um Mm -hmm. but like re-watching it again i I obviously knew how it was going to end but i enjoy it again now because i have not watched it again since i've gone through film school and re-watching it and looking for and enjoying the things i've learned uh so much better so much better so much better again it's it really is so good. Like, you got to hand it to the Britons. Like, they know how to do drama. Mm-hmm. They know how to do drama. They know how to do storytelling. They just have a whole different They lean style into it, too. Of... They lean into the dramatics. I mean, yeah, they do, 100%. And they, um, there used to be, I'll have to find it and send you this video, but there used to be this short video um, narrated by John Oliver, actually, about how Oliver. the UK does drama better than anyone else, and especially better than America, because they've simply been around longer, mm-hmm. and basically makes a joke about how, well, when you've been around that long, you have a lot of drama, so we're really good at it now. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I'll have to find it and send it to you because it used to, like, if you watch these episodes on TV, sometimes that commercial would precede um, any any sort of BBC or, like, Masterpiece Theater production mm-hmm. as, a, as a joke because, I don't know, they just have a completely different style of storytelling than we do for a lot of our drama content in mm-hmm. the U.S. We have a very different People think Grey's Anatomy is drama. <sighs> no. <laughs> don't get me started. I mean, it is drama, but it's not the kind of drama that I'm talking about. It's not the drama I seek out. No, it is. Um, there's a difference between drama and literary drama. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's the difference in writing between entertainment fiction and literary fiction. You know, there's there's stuff that just... It's the difference between, like, The Walking Dead, which after, like, several seasons, you're kind of just around to see who dies just for shock value boring like that is entertainment you know mm, is and, it? and sherlock that's what it's supposed to be <laughs> i mean i was still entertained i i did eventually watch the whole thing um that's a whole separate conversation i'll talk about the walking dead eventually um but yeah it's it's a different kind of entertainment it's a different kind of fiction it's a different kind of drama it has its own caliber and its own measurement scale it is very different and it was kind of, uh, we've talked about this, not to bring Harry Potter into every conversation. Um, People love we talked that. about it's kind of part of the problem that I have with some of the later Harry Potter movies because that's when they brought in um, a British, they started bringing in British directors mm-hmm. and they took a very different turn with, they took a very different angle with some of the writing and the, well, with the writing um, for those movies because the the first few were made by Amer- an American and then a Italian director. Alfonso Cuaron's Italian, isn't he? No. No. Is, it, is he not is Spanish? Is he Spanish? That would also make sense. But anyway, foreign directors, not British directors, even though it's a British series, they bring in, they had brought in foreign directors who put their own spin on it and then... 
Mexican filmmaker Alfonso Cuaron. Mexican? Oh, okay. I could have sworn that he was, like, Italian or Spanish. Mm -mm. Okay. So that's what I mean when then they switched to English filmmakers and they really brought in a much more subtle drama like filmmaking style mm-hmm. to where you really had to start paying attention to things in like specifically like five six and seven one and two um so where and that's where a lot of my problems with the later franchise stem from too is the switch in production style because it doesn't flow with the earlier stuff a bit but anyway enough about harry potter but that is british filmmaking is it's subtle it's subtle and it's dramatic in its own way and that is very much what sherlock is it makes you think oh it sure does mm-hmm. it makes you think and that but that's good though because you're engaged and that makes you like too, trying to figure out what's going on as the character is highly intelligent mm-hmm yeah, for real. It it like as are level many of, of the people around him as well. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, John's not a doc. He doesn't have an MD after his name for nothing. For real. <laughs> he breaks each bone while telling you which one it is. Oh, I love that line. No, I was an army doctor, which means I can break every bone in your body while naming them. Love it. You were an army doctor. I had bad days. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, I love the dynamic that they do in on the BBC Sherlock between Sherlock and Watson. I mean that that dynamic is fun to play with regardless in in every iteration that you mm-hmm. see of Sherlock, but I I especially love this one. And I think it's because we get so much more of it. I mean like don't get me wrong, I love RDJ and Jude Law in the movies like Game of Shadows and everything, their dynamic is hilarious and it also very much echoes this one that we get too. I feel like they're very similar. Um, but I, I think I like this one more just partially because it gets more fleshed out because we have so much more content to work mm-hmm. with for John and Watson. Which I'm going to throw John a question Watson, in at the end of my list of questions for you. Um, okay. But continue. Um. Well, I was going to tell you about my first impression. Um, I mentioned it in the beginning, um, but this episode aired almost two years after the finale of season three. Um, Like I said, during a time when we weren't sure if we were going to get any more Sherlock. And they, if I remember correctly, they kind of just surprised us with this. Like, just a couple of weeks before or something, we're like, hey, surprise, you're going to get a Sherlock holiday special. And we were like, what? Um... I mean, I was Sherlock had the world in a chokehold for a good decade. I mean, for real, though. I mean, Benedict Cumberbatch just, like, skyrocketed after this. Because this was, like, the first thing that I'd ever seen him in. Not to take away from Mark Freeman, both of them were busy actors for that good, good chunk of time. They're still busy actors. Yeah. Because of, well, because of their fame on Sherlock. They were not, not unknown by any means, but... But they had not found widespread global they got, fame. <laughs> they, got, they got big thanks to, um, oh, what's the site? Good grief. Hold on. Hold on. How do I, how's my brain completely turned off from all things? Hold on. Can, mm, what, 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 what is that site everyone used to be on? Tumblr. 
the age oh of my gosh Tumblr. i knew you were gonna say tumblr and then i was gonna be like how did you forget what tumblr I, was i never used it i i think i made an account I didn't once use tumblr and used either. it like three times and never touched it again no, I was not on. I, I never I never quite got the hang of Tumblr, and so I got off of it just as soon as I... I probably did make a profile, and I've probably since been locked out of it. <laughs> but yeah, um, Sherlock um, was huge in the height of Tumblr, so it, the, mm-hmm. the audience was massive, as you said, all over the world, and their fame just heightened because of it. Mm-hmm. There's, I feel like I've seen the memes about, like, Sherlock fans on Tumblr, because it's like there's... There's like three types of fans. Oh, I know exactly and, which uh, three you're about always, to name. They will always pop up in the comments of something, and it's I can't remember what the third one is right off the top. Oh, it's Harry. Oh, so it's Harry Potter fans. It's sure. Sherlock fans, Harry Potter fans, and Supernatural That's fans. That's exactly correct. That exactly correct. <laughs> and apparently, there's and a they meme. They will always pop up in the comments. I've not watched Supernatural, but apparently, there's a meme for everything in Supernatural. There is. There is 100% a meme for everything. And I, I've seen those Tumblr memes of like, all right, where are they? And then somebody posts a supernatural gift. And you're like, there they are. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm proud to say that I can be a fan of all three. I am a fan of two. So, so, supernatural is so good. At it's least the right. first five seasons are. They're um, so good. So why do you are you are you still doing first impressions are we still doing first impressions? oh um kind of sort of sorry okay. adhd brain um i was just gonna say that i like i remember being super excited and i was obviously home for the holidays because it came out on january 1st mm-hmm. and we would my mom's birthday is december 31st so we were all there you know celebrating my mom's birthday and for the new year and then so the next night we all sat my mom my brother and i who are all the the sherlock lovers all sat down and watched the live special as it aired and it was it was so exciting because just to have the house completely still for 90 minutes while we're all completely enraptured. Because here's the thing. You have to be quiet because you can't watch with subtitles on live TV in 2016. You sure At least couldn't. not with any that were uh, not delayed. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you had to be have everyone very quiet so you could understand what the heck they were saying in their dense British accents. <laughs> not only dense, but now it's Victorian. Well, that's there's that's the thing. So John walks and talks with a bit of a different affect to his accent. It's it's flatter. He's like, "What's he like? The other me, that one." He, he talks like a <laughs> what flatter was that? accent. Did it's he like get? he he said he literally goes, "So what's he like? The other me, the other place." <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. I love it so much. <laughs> So, yeah, it is Victorian, but also Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> gives his lines. Stop it! You just have that, like, radio voice of the time. <laughs> That's uh, what it is. I it's know. like it's like the, the British transatlantic accent is what that is. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, oh, I even... Okay, uh, complete side rail, full derailment. Um, I never told you this. My great-grandpa, um, who I'm not blood related to because my dad's adopted but my great grandfather was a famous radio broadcaster that's so cool yeah you can look him up his name's gordon graham um he was actually in an exhibit at the indianapolis uh, right <laughs> i feel like he's like this is gordon graham signing off for the day <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like he had to have been yeah so like turn of the century like 1900s um my well no they would have been Great-grandfather. A little later than that. But anyway, um, yeah, my, my great-grandfather. So 
a little bit later than that. I think my great grandma was born in 1903. Um, so yeah, he was a radio broadcaster um, in Indianapolis. Uh, like I said, he had I think a brief exhibit in the Indianapolis Children's Museum for a while. There is an airfield in Danville, Indiana, named after him. It's called Gordon Graham Airfield. That's so neat. So apparently, uh, broadcasting runs in the family. I'll take it. I like that. Right. <laughs> That's him who I'm channeling and, and talking about John Watson. I love that. <laughs> Would love that transatlantic accent. Um, so, yeah. All that to say, I really, really liked this episode. Which was my next question. <laughs> Believe it or not. Why do you love this episode so much? Why do I love this episode so much? I mean, there's so many reasons and I will definitely talk about them in in the entirety of the episode. Um, I love this episode so much because I wasn't sure if we were going to get more Sherlock, you know? So it was like a blessing. And so I loved it that much more because I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't expecting it to even exist. And then on top of that, you get to see, I've had, um, did you ever watch Community? I've seen a few episodes. Community does a similar thing with some of their episodes where they have these already established characters and then they'll do like a spinoff episode where they'll have like a paintball episode that takes place in a completely different context. Or they did like a Dungeons and Dragons episode that Mm -hmm. takes place with the same characters but in a completely different context. And it's just fun. It's just fun. It takes you out of the story of what's going on right then and you can just purely enjoy these characters that you've already come to know and love be in a different setting. Uh And I kind of talked about that in the opening with this. And I think that that's why I love this episode so much is you've already had three seasons of these characters and you have come to know and love them. You have Mary in the mix now. Everybody feels comfortable as a character. And so then you get to take that and turn it on its head in a super fun way for especially somebody like me who got introduced to Sherlock purely by having to read him for school. Um, And so I'm like, I'm seeing some of the classic Sherlock references from the stories and the books and I'm like oh I understand that reference I get that reference there's lots of easter eggs and it was fun to just see him in that classical setting um but with characters that we already love so completely so yeah it was just because it was so purely fun I think for me what makes this an especially memorable episode for me this is me and I love technical stuff when it comes to filming I remember when this film aired and that first time they move the den where Sherlock, John, Mary, and Lestrade, and Lestrade's come in to be like, hey, I gotta talk to you about a case. And they're sitting in the den Mm -hmm. and they move that den into the crime scene. Oh my God. Ooh. And they expand out into it. Oh, Oh, it's such a good shot. Goosebumps. And they do it several times. Oh, and then, then they move mm-hmm. the characters into the den when when the, the guy falls over dead. Yeah. When I tell you stuff like, like creative filmmaking is so, like, that's one of the reasons why I love this show so much is just very creative in the way it does stuff. Like Sherlock picks mm-hmm. news articles out of the air in his mind palace or he'll move across like details in his brain. Like he's just going through the like, delete search delete search things like that mm-hmm. so good superimposing text or superimposing the telegram ah love it i love right. the I little love details that they like changed that it. Mm-hmm. 
I love that they changed some of those because they kept the same techniques. They kept how Sherlock processes information the same, but then they they made it sit correctly with the time period, right. you know? And instead of, like, going through online articles with, like, six computers surrounding him, he's it's literally just, like, News scraps articles. of newspaper on fishing wire, yeah. like, <laughs> spinning around his head. And, like, that was so, it was such a nice touch, you know, to keep you, like, fully in the, the moment. And I, this is, of course, I noticed this. Um, they really tried to keep everything authentic Mm -hmm. to the late 1800s time period so much so that i even noticed some of the weaponry was correct all of the weaponry was correct um there is a a pistol that watson uses and it's a a weebly mark four no mark two um it's a weebly mark two and it was created in 1890 which is perfect because the episode takes place in 1895 this show has Which, never... Just like the attention to detail. Yeah, it has never let me down when it comes to attention to detail. Every, everything, top to bottom, the lighting is always impeccable in the show. I've never... Which is awesome, because that's hard to do in that kind of cramped space. I've never been disappointed when it comes to lighting. The only thing in this episode that I did not like, and it's only once... Oh, I'm interested. It's... I hate myself because I Tell do me. this for any, any time I see it. <laughs> so Sherlock and John are sitting in the train and the green screen mm-hmm. behind them is not moving. First of all, it doesn't look great. And it's not moving in accordance to the, the speed you think it should move. It just doesn't look right. Wait, when they're in the carriage going in the to carriage, the Carmichael I, house? I am sorry I'm ruining it for you, but if you go and look at it, it does not look good. I'm going to have to go look at it again. So it, I do this for any, any show. Mm-hmm. Any show where I'm like, nah, could, that don't look right. I don't like that green screen. Could we, here, hold on, hear me out. Could we chalk that up to... Um, well, two things. We can, and I know you're going to say, because as soon as we come out of that, he's coming out of a dream. Or he's transitioning into a a dream or something. He has a little trip moment, because we get a modern, um, we get a modern Watson yelling at him, going, you tell me where my wife is, or I'll punch your lights out. Right. So, that's why I I, I was able to let it go, because I'm like, okay, he's transitioning from this moment to a real moment. I was like, okay, I'll let it go for now. I'll let it go for now. Mm -hmm. But it still didn't look great. Okay. It's my that, I was only, saying, that also It's my only grief with that. That episode. also you have to replace current English countryside with Victorian English countryside, which they both look vastly different now cuz it's been 200 years, <laughs> 120 years. It, it's not even um, what it looks like. It's the movement looks weird. It doesn't look The movement does. Okay. It I'm doesn't have to go back look and look for it. Right. We're going to chalk that up to Sherlock's drug-induced haze. That's what I'm going to chalk it up to. I'll let it go. Okay. <laughs> Because the rest of it's perfect. It the is. rest of it's completely it's like I said, the The cinematics for this show, the cinematography for this show, the costuming, the lighting, the acting, the just getting the right people to play these characters, getting the right actors. Sherlock is one of the best shows from every aspect of filmmaking in the in this century. And it never gets one old. of the best in this century so far. It never gets old. Like I mean, like you said, Aside you and I both four. have this show on in the background. We don't. We're not. Talking we're not about talking about. Season I love four. season four. I love season four, but there no. are things that I will nitpick 
at. It is. It. A, we're not talking about that right not, now. It's we're the talking one about I don't watch. I don't hate it, and I've I've watched it once or twice, but I don't go back to watch it because it makes me upset. It's a sad. I season. do love the Six Thatchers. I love the Six Thatchers. It's good. Yeah. All the episodes are but, fine. Um, it's just a very depressing season, and I I like the first sad. a lot more. It doesn't, it, like, right, like, it pops the happiness bubble that was created. It is not part of my comfort rewatches, let me tell you that. No, I always stop after Abominable Bride mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll watch the six Thatchers and then I won't watch any further than that. Um, okay, I want to talk about the writing a little bit because okay. that's that's my, my bread and butter. That's my, my goat cheese and crackers, if that's you will. totally fine. We talked about my bread and butter. <laughs> um, lighting. Lighting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, which I know you hate it, but you're so good at it, though. Um, so, um, some fun facts for anybody who is a Sherlock fan, which I'm totally going to go on a Sherlock binge listen after this. There is a book compilation. I think it's like books one through six of Sherlock um, that are available on Audible, and they're narrated by Stephen Fry. Of course. I know. I'm so excited. And I just downloaded it because I think it was free with my Audible subscription. So I'm going to go listen to them. So if you have Audible, there's a Stephen Fry chunk of Sherlock that is, oh, like OG Sherlock, I mean, um, that is free to listen to. So I'm going to go listen to all of those after this because I feel like I'm missing so much information from not having read these since like high school slash college. Um, speaking of which... The the Riccoletti case, this is a fun like little Easter egg. The the Riccoletti case is mentioned in an original Conan Doyle story, but it was never actually written about. They they make mention of it, and I think it's called um like the club footed Carmichael and his abominable wife. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. It's something like that, and and they just mention it in passing. Um, it's like the, it's like the original Star Wars reference of you fought in the Clone Wars. What are the Clone Wars? We've never seen the Clone Wars before. We've never heard of this case. We've never <laughs> seen it before. And it's mentioned in passing and you never, you never hear about it. So I liked that this was like their take on something that was never written about mm-hmm. in It's the great because they get so to take liberties have, with it. That's exactly right. They get to take creative liberties with it and they get to imagine what it could have been and put their characters in this without... Like botching source material, mm-hmm. which is the nice thing, because anytime you're working off source material, you you run into that have to walk that fine line of how to make it your own, but stay true to the source material in a way that's not offensive when you take creative liberties with it, you know. And they don't have to do that with this because there's nothing to work off of. It's just a, a, an Easter egg reference in a story that they plucked and turned into a full fledged story which is awesome that's so creative of them to have completely manufactured this and it really does feel like a traditional sherlock story um especially with the the pepper's ghost um what is the word i'm looking for here illusion yes you know what i'm talking mm-hmm. about yeah uh, that is totally something that would have been like in an sh- old sherlockian story love it um, yes Right, like something that was completely outside of where your brain was because you're just trying to figure it out exclusively with the facts at hand, but Sherlock is like, no, it could have been this, and then it fits perfectly, and that's what it turns out to be because you heard the breaking of glass, so it must have been a Pepper's Ghost illusion. I did like, because they established that Hooper is a woman in in our BBC Sherlock. Obviously, Hooper's not a woman in the the series, 
Um, but I liked the instead of like recasting her or something, they just had her masquerading as a dude. And one of my favorite things that I I've watched this so many times, and this time I finally caught it. And it's when John says, "Amazing what one has to do to get ahead in a man's world," and Love and it. Molly kind of like gives him a look, or whatever. He tips his hat to her. It's one of my favorite moments in the whole episode. He gives her this super pointed look. And, like, I don't know why I didn't connect the dots. He wasn't just, like, being a gentleman, tipping his hat to somebody and leaving. No. In Victorian English culture, you tip your hat to a lady. I was like, he basically just, like, slapped her in the face and it's hilarious. Okay, so I'm glad you brought this up because I love this scene because, in a sense, yes, but... He could easily out her, but he doesn't. I oh, think fully. no, it's he's not giving her disrespect. Credit. Yeah, because it was it was purely because she um she had said something. She says, "Oh, very observant." Now that Daddy's gone, like she right. she like gave him a verbal slap, and that's why he was offended. And he's like, "Okay, okay, just so you know, I know you're a chick, and I don't say anything." Mm-hmm. It, it it is funny because it's one of those moments where uh, Molly, if you will. She Molly. is trying to play into a man's world and she is being, she's doing it well to mm-hmm. the point of being mean. And it's oh, like, yeah. honey, at any point work. if someone realizes what you're doing, you're gone. And this man has noticed yeah. you're a woman the whole mm-hmm. time where Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes sees the minute details where he never sees the large picture where John always sees the large picture, but not the minute details. Mm-hmm. That's why they're a perfect pair. Exactly. So yeah. That is honestly... Which, like, if you're paying attention, that should tell you, like, where this story is going from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, there's clues about the whole... Easter eggs right up front. It's crazy, too, because when you you know the ending and you go back and watch from the beginning, you're like, oh, my God, they left clues everywhere. It is almost Mm -hmm. in your face how many clues they leave for this episode about what it's actually about. Right. Yet, like, like the the maid at the Watsons' house, where he's like, are you incapable of boiling an egg? She's like, sorry, sir, I'm a bit behind the time this morning. And she's just sassy to him mm-hmm. the whole time. Um, and then Mary, of course, is like, I'm part of a campaign. Votes for women. Um, my favorite Mary, mo- one of my favorite <laughs> Mary moments is Lestrade going, and are you for or against? And she just goes, get, get out. out. <laughs> <laughs> she's wonderful. She was, honestly was such a great I... adage to the team in season three. I know people were like, I, I think we were love. worried about it, but oh, she fits in perfectly to the dynamic. She fits in so perfectly. She's like one of my mom's favorite additions to this whole mm-hmm. series as Amanda Abington. She is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And at the she's time, so she and Mark Freeman were together. Really? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. At the beginning of season four, though, I think they had broken up. But they were obviously still worked together, which was good. They have kids. Well, yeah. Keep a, keep a profesh. They have kids together? They have a Aww. couple, yeah. I did not know that. Oh, that's so nice. No wonder they have such good on-stage chemistry. Mm-hmm. Aww. That makes me happy, sad. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. Um, Looking back at my notes. Um, <laughs> I did want to do I want to talk about this I don't want to talk about this I was going to talk about um I didn't know as a kid from reading the stories that Sherlock struggled with substance abuse and I I thought that that was just something that they like added into this show to give his character some color Mm -hmm. um 
but it's not. Um, Watson actually talks about it in old Sherlock stories mm-hmm. um, and, and actually yells at Sherlock for using it. Because um, he's like, why? basically the same thing that his character says now. is like, why would you throw your brilliant mind away to something that's rotting away your tissue and your nerve endings? Like, why would you, why would you do that? Um, and I didn't know that until I was doing some research for this episode. Uh, that the original character also struggled with, um, like, opium abuse. I feel like the modern age of Sherlock doesn't shy away from that part of the story because, think about it, when we're kids, we, we've we heard about Sherlock's shoot, I think, um, Wishbone the Dog was Sherlock Holmes or something for an episode or two. And then, hmm. obviously, Wishbone the Dog isn't going to do drugs. But no. um, I, I feel like, depending on the iteration, I feel like the more grown-up iterations of Sherlock have kind of shown the drug abuse but I feel like it depends on the story you're going with. Um, like Enola Holmes. I haven't watched it, but I don't. I'm, I'm going to assume Sherlock Holmes doesn't use drugs in that version. Um, or that universe know. of That's Sherlock Holmes. That's a good Holmes. question. But I think, depending on what they're going to do with the character, depends on if they want to use that version, you know, that part of his background or not mm-hmm. in the stories. Yeah, which I feel like they did it really well. In this, and it, from my research, apparently that was something that was incredibly widespread in Victorian it London. It makes sense I mean, when someone's could... at an opium den, as they mentioned in the episode, like, good grief. Yes. And, and it wasn't just like, and it, okay, like, opium den is not, like, synonymous with crack house, okay? It is, like, glitzy. Everyone in high society London does drugs, like, hard drugs, well, like about opium and cocaine. drugs were put into... Poisons and oh my drugs gosh. put into like, makeup and, and, clo- and wigs, and clothing. So it's insane to think of how far we've like, come in medicine in a century and a half. Right, like if you've ever like gone back and looked at like old cough syrup, like the, the memes of like old cough syrup labels and they're like 35% alcohol. And you're like, well, no wonder my grandma could walk to school back barefoot in the snow both <laughs> no ways. Kidding. No kidding. <laughs> like, now it's rat yeah. poison. Now it's rat poison. <laughs> but for real, though. But yeah, it was something that high society London, everyone did. I mean, you could walk into like your local quote unquote CVS and just buy opium over the counter. Yep. It, it was like it was like buying gum. Cocaine was in there Coca-Cola was no... at one point. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but but like, was but, it like for though? real though, and I guess. No, I don't think so. I think it's a, a old wives' tale. Um, but now I need to know. Hold on. Now I need Googling. to know. The original 19th century Coca-Cola formula had some residual amount of cocaine precursor in it, but that amount was drastically reduced to mere traces by the early 1900s and entirely eliminated by 1930. So, Yes. What we do know now is that Coca-Cola soft drink was named back in 1885 for its two quote-unquote medicinal ingredients, extract of coca leaves and cola nuts. One of the substances commonly produced from the extract of coca leaves is the drug cocaine, a fact which has given rise to the legend that the ubiquitous soft drink Coca-Cola once did, or even still does, include cocaine. But it does not. But it did. But it did. (laughs) But it it was trace amounts. But it did. 
It did, because it was made from the same leaf. But it's not like they injected straight cocaine oh, into no, their drinks. Because like, what I was told as a kid, no, what I was told as a kid was, like, that Coca-Cola, in order to make their like their drink more addictive, straight up put real straight cocaine we were into all their soda. Yes. Right, to make it addictive so that people would buy their product. Like, that's what I was told, and that's not the case. That's <laughs> also what I was told. And I remember reading up mm-hmm. on the history of it, but yeah, it was a lie. So there you go. That's from. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta give a reference there so I don't steal someone's content. That is, that is from a Snopes fact-checked article, and which say what you want about Snopes. I'm pretty sure I can trust the Coca-Cola cocaine fact-check part of it. <laughs> that one, I think you could look. I'm up pretty sure. For over the I'm internet. pretty sure there's no, there's no political bias there. Uh okay. So yeah. Um, derailment I number two. Derailment. It's, oh, it's kind of a derailment. It's, it's which is it today? Morphine or cocaine? <laughs> talk, it's, it's, on topic. it's on topic. My cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> <Get out. laughs> Great actor. Oh my gosh. And I just watched Miss Congeniality a couple of weeks ago and just really enjoyed the Michael Caine performance. Of there, that. You that can't was... even say it now. <laughs> Uh, my my cocaine. <laughs> Sorry, the internet man. Uh, anyway, I wonder if anyone understands that meme. Uh, meme, excuse me. But they have to. There has to be. They have to. You, you live under a rock if you don't. Um. Yeah. Okay. I had some questions for you about the story of this episode. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to see how how close you were paying attention. Uh oh. Um, so, I mean, it's not really about this episode, but why do you think that Sherlock has such a soft spot for Mary? Because he says in this episode, even when he is high as a kite, um, and Mary is missing, he starts racing out the door, and Watson's like, "Are you even in a fit state?" And he says, "Like always for Mary." Like, if it's for Mary, I will always be there. I would say for so I two reasons. I think he sees a little bit of himself in her. Because mm. um, they're both highly intelligent. Um, mm-hmm. He he knew exactly what she was from the moment he saw her. We know that from... He didn't, though. He knew something was up from the moment if you go he back knew, she was a question mark yes he couldn't get a full read on her it, it took him a minute though he knew she wasn't what she was pretending to be let's say that at least mm-hmm. he knew she wasn't okay. face value um right i think he respects her intelligence she's not someone that he can hide himself from he can hide a little bit of himself from jean from john jean whoa <laughs> From Jean. Well, okay, and that's because that's because Watson wants to believe the best of Sherlock. I mean, yes. you see it when he comes out of his drug haze on mm-hmm. the plane, and and Watson's trying to defend him and say, no, no, he's just in his mind palace. I've seen him do it. He's just he's just in his mind palace. Right. And but Mycroft has a measure of him, and he's like, where's your list? And they're and like, he's right. And then John's mad. I always think about he to um, think the best of him. The episode where John and Mary are getting married. And mm-hmm. he's making these like Which little napkin episodes. birds or something. And he's trying to explain to Mary. She, Mary's yes. like, how did you do that? And he's trying to explain. She's like, you're fibbing. He does another one. Fibbing still. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, YouTube. I'm not told I can tell when you're fibbing. I've learned to tell on YouTube. And that's why I think he, 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 I think he respects her intelligence. And I think, again, I think another mm-hmm. reason is that's 
that's John's other half, if you will. But I think you mm-hmm. can argue that he was, I mean, Sherlock points this out too. And season three, John is attracted to danger. She's a dangerous mm-hmm. woman. He's attracted to yep. Sherlock because he's a dangerous love, man, if you will. So I love and, that writing choice. Yeah. For sure. And so I think he knows, you know, he loves Mary and he wants to protect the person he cares about as well, John. So he's going to protect Mary because he cares mm-hmm. about John. So I think that's why yeah. he has a soft spot for her is because one, he respects her intelligence and sees her for her and they see each other for each other. And two, that's mm-hmm. John's chosen other half and he wants to protect his friend's happiness. Yeah. His center I, is John. I, I kind of agree no matter with you. what people yeah. like I don't care if you go with the the their lovers trope or their best friends. Whatever either way, they are each other's center. They're comrades. They're best friends. They're best friends mm-hmm. and they're each other's center. You know, yeah. and I, I always I... believe this is something I've had a discussion with a lot of people is your soulmate isn't necessarily the person you're married to. Your soulmate could be your sibling, could be your friend, could be your parent. Oh my gosh, yes. And I think they are best friend soulmates. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I've talked about that exact same thing too. Like that your your soulmate is somebody who your soul just vibes with mm-hmm. without even trying. Right. And that doesn't mean that you have to be romantically entangled with them. That's a completely different kind of of like emotional commonality. That's completely different. Like again, soulmate is the one who you vibe with without even trying. Right. The and, immediate and connection. that is John and Sherlock for sure. Yeah, I completely agree. Like they're bestie soulmates. I completely agree with that assessment. Um, I kind of look at his soft spot for Mary, and I think in Mary, Sherlock sees his own shortcomings. He sees the kind of friend that he can't be to John, that Mary can. Yeah, you know, she she does have fully functioning emotions, and she does give her whole heart to John and she does love him wholeheartedly and in a way that Sherlock is not able to express. And so I think he, he looks at her and he sees everything that he can't give to John as his sociopathic friend, you know? And so he's like, I never want him to lose. Like she's everything good in John's life where I fall short. And he, this man who I've chosen to be my friend for better or for worse deserves to have all of that good that Mary can provide. And if it is within my power to keep that from being put in jeopardy, I will do it. Yeah. I really think that that's what he does. Cause I mean, at their, at their wedding, he also says, you know, as, as you've chosen me as your friend, I can't congratulate you on your choice of companion. And then he looks at Mary and says, well, actually now I can. Well, yeah, that's true. Right? I love The Sign of Three. That episode is my second favorite next to Hound of the Baskervilles. It's it's probably my third favorite episode because I do love the... You finally see... I mean, yeah, we're going into the deeper about another episode. It's not important. I mean, it is important, but it's not deep, important to this deep episode. Deep Sherlock. This is, this is the first, like, TV episode that we've done. It is. So... Sherlock is definitely one we could easily do each episode on. Oh, um, completely. It's been, like, 90-minute 90, 90 movie. Yep. But uh, I, I, I agree. I think... Sherlock just doesn't have the capability to say, I mean, it's like he, he has said it. I mean, for people who have watched the show that he, mm-hmm. everyone knows that he thinks love is a weakness and, yeah. um, you know, he, he could make, I mean, he does eventually you see that John ends up being his weakness. People go after John to get to Sherlock. Um, mm-hmm. so people I know he cares. Mm-hmm. He just, he can't express it. He shows it via actions. 
Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I completely agree. Cause, yeah, because he's not really capable of expressing, because he is a sociopath. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not really capable of expressing emotions like your your average person. But he is a drama queen. He is a drama queen. Um. Okay, so I have t- I have two more questions for you. Okay. Um, I also before have questions we try to, for you. Like wrap up today. Okay. Um. So again, about the the story that's taking place inside Sherlock's head. Where do you think Emilio Riccoletti's body double is buried? I don't. I don't. My brain isn't even going to try to process that. I have no idea. She got burned. <laughs> oh come on! They drank her blood and ate her skin. It was a ritual. What? I don't know. Okay, they're not completely crazy. They just want votes for women. Um, who knows? Who knows where the real body is? Or the I double, the body thought about double. That. Right, yes. I thought about that because Sherlock is like, where do they think where do you think they buried the the other Amelia Riccoletti? And John's like, Well, not here, obviously. And Sherlock just stares at him and he's like but they must have done, and then they have this argument. It's like, and John why gets would mad. they put the body with the body? Are you kidding? Right. And then they have this argument, and John gets mad and says, "I'm taking Mary home. You're what? Mary's taking me home." Better. <laughs> um, which is again one of my favorite lines. In this she's whole wonderful. Show. Um, she's fantastic, and and he leaves, and Sherlock goes. So what if he's right? He's always right. It's boring. It's, see, okay, see, love that line. Love that line because mm-hmm. Sherlock is never going to admit anyone smarter than him until he has to. He And he's, mm-hmm. he's right. John is always right. John may yep. not think in the same way Sherlock does, but John isn't wrong. He just doesn't think in the minute details where Sherlock read, reads between the lines where John is reading the finer print. He's reading the whole thing. Right. So to me, my my answer to this is because I thought about this because I'm thinking like this is from a true crime perspective. Right. You know, and I'm thinking this is a group of people who are have have allowed a woman to selflessly utilize her own impending death because she was going to die of consumption. Mm -hmm. Right. Long before they made her death a a dramatic symbol. Um, This woman this group of people um made this woman's death right yeah made this woman's death mean something so to me that says that they are definitely sentimental and they care about the women whose lives they touch and utilize so a group like that is not going to take the woman the other woman, not Amelia Riccoletti, but the other woman, the body double, they're not going to take someone like that and not give her her own credit. They're not going to allow her to be a nameless person just buried underneath somebody else like like this woman stood on her to achieve a, as a means to an end. Right. So to me, I think this group of women probably knew who this who the body double was she had a name she had a family and i think that they probably buried her under under her own name she probably had her own headstone and is probably buried somewhere completely separate and there's probably going to be no way to know yeah who that is because hooper was involved in the body swap because mm-hmm. because sherlock says it he's like Hooper must have found, uh, or the the 
coroner or whatever must have found a, a body double just like Molly found a body for me. Right. Right? So that's what I think is, like, she's definitely not buried under Amelia Riccoletti. She's probably mysteriously buried under her own headstone and we'll never know who or mm-hmm. where she is. It's the sisterhood of the traveling dress. Right? It is. It is the sisterhood of the traveling dress. And they want votes it continues. for women and independence. It continues, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, it does. I have... Because... Um, um, continue, continue, sorry. I was going to say, yeah, well, that's that's what Mycroft says is, you know, they are the invisible enemy hovering at our elbow and we must let them win because yep. they are right and we are wrong. I love it. I love it's it. It's so good. Okay, what was your question? Because I have one more question, too, about this the writing. This one is... Uh, what was the question? Not it's probably not as um, well thought out as yours, but my I had a question. <laughs> what is your favorite quote from this episode? Because there are so many great co- quotes in the Sherlock episodes. There are so many, but what's your favorite? Could could be oh, funny, man. could be serious, could be thoughtful. What do you, What do you like? If you need to think about it, I'll I go first. Think... If you like, no, no, no. I think my favorite quote because I was thinking about this because there are so many. And I've already quoted several of them. Like I can break every bone in your body while naming them. Mm-hmm. Um. That one's excellent. Um, But I think it's when they find Mary Watson at that desanctified church and they're talking and and Sherlock is suddenly realizing that Mary has been involved and that Mary is a lot smarter. and, And Sherlock says something to the effect of, like, Watson, how did you not know that your wife was doing this? and Or how did it not occur to you that your wife was doing this? And she says it wouldn't because he knows what a nurse is capable of. Yeah, it's great. And then looks at Sherlock and is like, when did it occur to you? And he's like, only just now, unfortunately. <laughs> There's a lot of profound it was, thoughts and, and quotes it, in this right. episode. It was just this moment that did Mary's character justice. Um, which I don't I don't think she was actually a nurse in the books, um, though the original writer, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, was a doctor, um, so he would know what a nurse is capable of. And and it's just another way of, of doing Mary's character more justice than I think she gets done in the the series a lot of the time. I mean, Mary's smart in the series, but she uh, ultimately her character just dies in, in childbirth and she's more of a plot device than anything. Mm-hmm. Um which it's not a spoiler alert. Okay, they were written at the end of the 1800s. Like, get with the times. Look, Darth Vader's Luke's father. Um, what? <laughs> Who? He so, is. So, um, yeah, that was just. I I really liked that line because it was this really soft moment of reminding you that like Mary is in fact all that. Yeah. And so are nurses. Shout out all to all that the nurses. All that in a bag of chips. Yeah, nurses. All that y'all do not get a- enough credit. All that and a bag of crisps. Um, mine was uh, once an idea exists, it cannot be killed, and I think that kind of sums up the mm. whole episode. Mm. Uh, that makes me want to talk about Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, <laughs> which you will get to do here in a few. Weeks. I will get to do yes. So to tell you guys, um, you will get a review episode from me later this month about the Hunger Games movie, A Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. So little little sneak and while we're you at it for that. Just so people don't text me, where's the next episode? No hate, you're allowed to. <laughs> um, we will, we will not be having an episode. What, what did we say? The final week of December? It's no, 
that's when we're dropping the um the Hunger Games episode. The first I think it's week, the first of, week January, of January next then. year. It's the first week yeah, of January. The first week of twenty twenty four. No CPP episode for you. I will be on a much needed vacation, and Audrey just needs to rest. Yeah. Yes, we did I, that I the last too. two weeks, but like, I, I'm tired. <laughs> so we still talk to each other, okay? Just because we didn't watch a movie doesn't mean that we That's didn't put true. in work and talk and record and edit and design. Um, ooh, I get to design a Sherlockian one. Oh, I know what I'm Oh, I'm do. excited for okay. that. Um, so, okay, so I had... Also, hold on. Side Sidebar. Um, I loved watching this because it was like getting to watch my brother in one of his high school performances. Because I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, my brother is a huge theater dude. Like, he still technically works in an element of theater production. Um, he works for Connor Perry, helping to put on their productions right now. Um, and my brother got to play Moriarty. Oh, that's fun. In a high school production of, a, like, a Sherlock story. I did not know that. I knew he did theater, but I did not know he got to play Moriarty. Yes, that's fun. I have pictures, and I'll send them to you. And I might even put them up on our on the Cinematic Pulse Instagram for everyone else to see and to uh, embarrass my brother just a little bit. Because he was phenomenal as Moriarty. But one of the fun things that they did, and like I said, I might put these pictures up so you guys can see what I'm talking about. Um, we really need like something where you guys can look at the pictures that I'm talking about while I'm talking about them. That's what YouTube will <laughs> um, be for. That's what YouTube will be for. Um, but they pulled some elements because uh, they were all super big fans of the BBC Sherlock. They pulled some elements of that into the the Victorian production of the Sherlock story. Um, for instance, they set up the the drawing room like the one in BBC Sherlock, and they had wallpaper, like with the fleur-de-lis kind of wallpaper on the wall, and spray-painted a smiley face on it. Oh my gosh, I love that. It was so love good. I'll have to post these pictures so you guys can see them. It was so great. So they just like they designed it like the BBC Sherlock, but then it all took place in Victorian London. It was awesome. So it was it was, like this whole episode was like watching that, but you know, on a professional scale. Um, okay, so I have another question for you about the writing. So okay. ultimately, do do you remember who did actually kill Eustace Carmichael? No. When did it be his? Yeah. Okay. So wait, 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 wait. Like in the in the sh- in the episode. In the episode, mm-hmm. yeah. In the episode, remember Sherlock and John get contracted by um, Lady Carmichael because her husband has received a death threat because they saw um, an abominable bride in their garden maze and said, "Like tonight, Eustace Carmichael, you will die." And so. Sherlock and John stake out the house, have them lock all the doors from the outside, and yet Sir Eustace Carmichael gets stabbed through the heart anyway and dies inside their house. Well, has to be someone in the house. With... Right. Has to be someone in the house, because there's no way in or out. Mm-hmm. It has to be... Right, because all the doors Lady were locked, Carmichael and the only window that was broken the... was... The maids. Right. Or the right. kids. So... I thought it was the kids, though. That'd be Sherlock, dark. I think... Sherlock, I think, figures it out at the end, and he does kind of nutshell it for us, but the solve kind of gets muddled because when there's going to be the unveiling, remember they're in that church and mm-hmm. someone in white comes around in the dress and you think they're going to unveil who actually did kill Sir Eustace Carmichael, um, but then it's Moriarty. Yeah, you know? he, he's alluding that it's derailed. Lady Carmichael. 
Right. So I do believe that it was Lady Carmichael because then later, um, Hooper Molly kind of explains some of it. And um, oh, what is what is Sherlock's Scottish girlfriend's name? Oh, I don't remember. Janine. There we go. Um, Janine also kind of explains some of it too. That Emilia Riccoletti knew Eustace Carmichael. You knew Eustace Carmichael back in the States. Mm -hmm. And he assaulted her and left her penniless and broken and then went back to London. Um, The thing that makes me question was, was he married to Lady Carmichael when he was in America and did his little thing? The thing is, is like, did Amelia find Lady Carmichael? That's what it makes it seem. That's what the writing makes it seem like. Lady Carmichael and Amelia I mean, yes, I would totally buy that. Sherlock says, Sherlock says, um, this whole thing reeks of a single-minded person, someone who knew the mental abuse of Eustace Carmichael firsthand. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I don't know, maybe they, maybe she was already planning her husband's murder and then met Amelia later mm-hmm. and found out that they had him in common and decided to utilize her death for the greater good. Yeah. Um, but Ultimately, I think this whole thing was kind of planned by Lady Carmichael to murder her husband. Yeah. Um, so, that being said, he asks something, and it's when Moriarty unveils himself. He's like, one thing I am stumped on, though, why engage me to prevent a murder you intended to commit? And then we never get an answer to that question because the bride unveils herself and it's Moriarty. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think? Why hire Sherlock to prevent a murder she intended to commit? Um, possibly to make it seem like she was not going, like, it, it always seems like if you're engaging with the people who are questioning you or who could come questioning you, it makes it seem like mm-hmm. you're less innocent. I, I think it's actually mm-hmm. a really smart move on her point to go out of her way to find the best detective. You'd be like, hey, mm-hmm. help me save my husband. I commit this crime but the thing is Sherlock covers all his bases he's like well it had to be someone in the house everything's locked yeah Mm -hmm. yes exactly no I completely agree with you um I I think that like looking at this from specifically a true crime perspective like if we take out all the other ancillary stuff the fact that this is like a drug-induced hallucination and just look at this from like a true crime perspective of who could have killed this guy and Think about this from what we know of killer. Like, we're going tr- a little bit of, like, Sherlock true crime here for a moment, if you will. Um, if you think about, w- like, what killers do in real life, they always like to insert themselves into the investigation. Mm-hmm. And They get a high from it. They do. They get a high from getting close to it. It's, it's, an, it's an ego stroke. They think, I am so good that I pulled off this murder, and or I'm going to pull off this murder, that I'm even good enough to get close to the police and not get caught. It's their own worldview lens that only crazy psychopath killers can make light of. And I think that that's probably where she was. She was intending to kill her husband and is inserting herself into the beginning stages of the investigation because if she goes to the police and says, I need you to prevent my husband's death, and then they don't, then she looks like a a blameless victim of a homicide, Mm -hmm. you know? 
And, and so I think that that's probably, I think you're exactly right. I think it was probably pride, um, that Lady Carmichael intended to kill her husband with Sherlock Holmes stationed outside the house with all the doors locked. She should have been able to kill him with no problem. And then Sherlock would never been able to stop it. Like imagine the headline, like ghost of Riccoletti thwarts England's top detective, you know, right? it, like it would have solidified the Riccoletti ghost's like legacy, it would have become legendary at that point if they foiled even Sherlock Holmes. And so I think that was her goal. I think that it was both to utilize him to propel their ultimate goal of using the Riccoletti ghost to give men their comeuppance. Um, and just pride of if I can beat the best detective ever, then I've pulled off the perfect murder, you know? Write that in a story. Write that in the strand. Right. Put that in your juice box and suck it. <laughs> oh, I'm writing that phrase down. That's going in the list. <laughs> Have you never heard that before? Nope. Oh, my gosh. Quotes and lines <laughs> to put in my future films. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Cherie has a little note on her phone where she keeps track of things like that, and especially she keeps track of ones that her friends say specifically. Yep, it's literally What my are some notes. of the other ones you have for me? Oh, hold on. Stand by. Funny ones only, please. I must be hilarious. Let me see. I have one from your dad. Wait, I don't know if I should say that one. Oh, no. Maybe uh, not. Maybe my dad sometimes is uh, inappropriate. <laughs> can't say this one either it's not pg my dad is hilarious but my dad is 80s hilarious so he is um not i got one here's a pg one that you've said she's a nut burger okay (laughs) she's a nut burger i do say that all the time i do call people nut burgers Um, i don't know the other one i I have from the other one i have i absolutely cannot say it's not pg no oh cinematic pulse after dark y'all can hear my hilarious (laughs) pg-13 comments oh man i love that too i wish i could say but i uh, definitely can't you'd be very mad if i did subscribe to our patreon and you can see all the things that are on sheree's list <laughs> oh oh i found a good one from one of my friend's boyfriends he said i'm sick and tired of these reindeer games perfect for this month <laughs> i'm sick and tired of these reindeer games Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's like a callback to like one of my favorite Marvel lines and it's make a move, Reindeer Games. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Love All right, that we're at hour 13. I need to cut some of this. We are so done, homie. Like we're done, y'all. <laughs> hey, Sheree, what are we doing next week? Ooh, did we pick? Oh, I think we're doing Home Alone next yes, week. Yes, we picked. Yeah, we're doing Home Alone next week, which will be really exciting because I've only seen Home Alone a couple of times. Uh, it was not one that I watched as a kid. I know it's a classic. I love the music um, from that film. It is all over my Christmas playlist. Ooh, I'll have to pay attention to the music. You know I'm a fiend for music. I'm pretty sure it's John Williams. Um, I have lots. Really? Let me double oh, check. I think you're right. Don't let me talk out of my butt. Pretty sure it's John Williams. Don't do that. This is a PG podcast. Um, Home Alone. John Williams. What do you know? Okay, I'll make sure to pay attention to it because I love hearing I love hearing John Williams Easter eggs in his own music. Um, and when I talk about songbirds and snakes, I have lots of things to say about the music for that as well. It was excellent. Um, all right, homies, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. Um, that's a wrap. That concludes today's episode. Like I said, next week we're going to be talking about Home Alone. So make sure we be back here next Friday to tune in. Roll credits. Cinematic Pulse is edited and produced by Cherie Jackson. The episodes and theme are written and performed by yours truly. 
Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and you can find Cinematic Pulse on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Please consider supporting us by becoming a member of our Patreon, where you can get access to show notes, vote on our upcoming episodes, and get exclusive downloads of our episode art. Thank you so much for listening, because we just checked your Cinematic Pulse. Thank you.